<sighs> Are you tired already? Girl, it is seven o'clock. You know, this is 10 minutes past my bedtime. Hold, hold on, hold on. Let me go get my water. <sighs> thank you, Jesus. Wait, you just sat down and said, thank you, Jesus, and I'm the old one. You got to thank him in all that you do. Hello? Girl. <laughs> <laughs> So, folks, thank you for joining us on this episode of Morally and Intellectually Ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous podcast, where we talk about morally and intellectually ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous things. So last episode was the three amigos. It was me, my boy Sal, my boy Trevor. Now, that was part one to a future part two that should be uh, we're going to do in a couple weeks. Um, So that episode was more so about Sal and the next one will be about Trevor. But this week back to the ladies i have my friend ty aka ty nisha it's like no it's anisha on and uh so this is going to be a very special episode because this is going to be first of all one of the ones that i learned from somebody else because they're going to be talking about something that i have absolutely no idea about like when tam came on and she talked about her story uh with sexual assault and she was very brave to do that so another brave soul has stepped up to the plate (laughs) And my friend Ty, uh, we actually met at the National Harbor uh, about a couple months ago. She was at a conference uh, for what she's going to talk about today. She's going to talk or a big part of what she's going to talk about is her uh, journey. I don't want to say struggle because she's overcome a lot of odds with journey with endometriosis. And we actually met while she was here at a endometriosis conference now i was not at the conference i was at a cigar lounge but we happened to just meet <laughs> at the harbor you know so got the talking and whatever over the last couple of months i'm like hey man you know i do this podcast man we talk about you know people's stories we like to be on so she said yeah so hello my dear hello how are you I'm good now that I'm looking at you. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> ah, so sweet to make your teeth rot. But anyway. No, thank you. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, man. So uh, you uh, said you want to come on here. Well, I asked you to come on here and you're doing me the honor of talking about uh, endometriosis. Well, I appreciate it. Of course, of course. You know, I personally believe several things. One, you guys have heard me say this several times before. I am a black man. Tanisha is a black woman. I, as a black man, cannot speak for black women. So that's why Tanisha is on here. So she can speak not only for black women, but women who have this condition called endometriosis. Because I have not a clue, (laughs) besides (laughs) of what she told me what it is. uh, I have not a clue what it is. So I'm going to be learning right with y'all. So yeah, man. So what's up? Uh, Well, to begin, um, yes, I was there for a conference in March, um, which is actually Endometriosis Awareness Month. Um, And yeah, it was really enlightening. I got to learn a lot, got to meet a lot of other Black women or just women of color uh, who do suffer with the same uh, condition that I do. One of 10 women usually has it. Um, So I am one in 10, as they say. And I've been going through this since I was about eight to nine years old um, and kind of just got a diagnosis at 26. 
so that was kind of crazy. But yeah, at this point, I'm really just trying to learn more for myself, figure out how I can be healthy more naturally um, because I've had some struggles with doctors. And then also just trying to educate people out there who may not have any information or are struggling just like I was. So just sharing my story so that somebody else might have a couple of answers or kind of know where to look for them. Well, I have a question, (laughs) if you don't mind. Go ahead. So you said that you have been experiencing, I guess, for lack of a better term, symptoms, right? Mm -hmm. Now, how is how you since you were eight? So what what's up with the whole, you know, you didn't get diagnosed till you were 20. Now, I do know that of all people, black women are shitted on in the medical industry. This is why I wanted to talk to you about this. So I'm pretty sure that has something to do with it. But, you know, why, uh, you know, you didn't get diagnosed till pretty much almost 20 years later. So it's an average between, I believe, seven to 12 years for a diagnosis. Um, So I would say my heavy symptoms began around, I stopped birth control around 22. Um, Started or stopped? Stopped. Stopped. Uh, So, uh, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. So about that age. Um, And that's kind of when my heavy symptoms started, uh, which is because when you're on birth control, it kind of hides your symptoms, but it doesn't stop the growth of the disease and things like that. So um, all those years, things were still happening in my body changes were happening. um, But um, until I stopped the birth control, I didn't really experience pain like I would, except for like actually on my cycle. Um, so around eight years old, just to start from the beginning, um, I started getting like cramps and going to the hospital all the time. Cause I thought I was having like UTIs. My, I was, my parents were in the military. So these military doctors are probably the best of the best. We'll just go with that. <laughs> mm. yeah, but in reality, they gave me ibuprofen and sent me about my way, um, which is probably why I have an unhealthy relationship with ibuprofen now. Uh, Yeah, because I'll be on the phone with you and you say, yeah, I just literally, this is no exaggeration. I just took eight ibuprofen and and I thought it was Now, I don't go long stretches of time (laughs) without taking them. um, So it's not like I have an addiction, just to be clear with everybody. Oh, yeah, Uh, of course. When I'm in pain, ibuprofen is the one thing that I feel has helped me. Um, It is an anti-inflammatory. But around nine years old, I actually started my cycle. Um, And I would miss school. I would have days where I was literally like throwing up, going to the nurse's office. I was also in fourth grade. So very embarrassed, like didn't want people to know, like it was a lot going on uh, for a little nine-year-old. And then as life continued, I never felt better, but everybody kept just saying, this is just a normal period. Like this is just what they are. Um, And I want to put that out there that if you are having pain with a cycle, you probably have something wrong. You should not actually be in severe pain when you're on your cycle. Um, There's absolutely no reason for it, actually. See, this is why I have Ty on because I have. (laughs) You should see my face right now because I'm like, what? Like, I, you know what I mean? I have no. I'm learning. I'm learning here. I'm learning. So, you know, they they teach us, you know, the curse of Eve. That's why you're hurting and that's all false um so yeah so now uh like I said I ended up in a lot of severe pain around 26 I had constantly been hospitalized trying to figure out what it was they told me I had IBS they told me I had they thought I had Crohn's at one point they were just giving me all kinds of diagnosis 
diagnoses. Hey, fuck that, it. It's going to be a word today. <laughs> that, no, <laughs> however you say that plurally. Yeah, uh, yeah, so yeah. They yeah. were giving me a bunch of different conditions because they didn't want to give me the surgery, which is the only way to actually diagnose this. Um, so once I'm, this was in Oklahoma. Once I moved to Texas, I actually got an amazing doctor, uh, Dr. Albert Arthur here in Austin, Texas. He's amazing. Um, he's African. And he was like, there's really no reason for you to be this young going through this much. He was seeing me weekly at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gave me a um, MRI, which actually showed that my appendix was inflamed about six times the amount it was supposed to be um so that night he was like immediately go to the hospital I went to the ER and they took my appendix out well when they took my appendix out is when they found the endometriosis because the endometriosis had grown attached to my appendix so that starts the whole five surgeries well about to be five surgeries trend um and here I am now in June about to have my fifth so yeah And look how far you've come. Yeah. So as much as it's, I still have my days actually today. I was about to cancel on you. I'm not going to lie, my friend. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, I have my days, but then I also have stretches of time where I'm actually okay. I have energy. Um, It just kind of really depends. (sighs) Yeah. Um, So I remember you sent me a video the other day about the (laughs) surgery that you were having. So how does that? that surgery work? So the one I'm going to have this time is actually a little bit different than the ones I've had in the past. Also, and um, something I can attribute to what I've learned in the past. Uh, With endometriosis, they essentially give you the option of, if you will, three surgeries. So your laparoscopy is the surgery where they essentially give you your diagnosis and tell you kind of like, what stage you're at and all that type of stuff. And then they can go in and do some cleaning. Um, I've also had something called an ablation, which is where they go in and they just, the best analogy I can give is when you pick a root. So sometimes you can pull the root from the top. It's not going to pull the, or the weeds. Uh, So you won't pick the root. You'll pull it from the top and you don't get the root from the bottom. So it just continues to grow. Um, And then you've got the time where you actually dig it out and get the root. Um, So it may grow back, but it might grow back a lot slower. So this time I'm having a surgery called an excision, which is where they're going to go in, pull out the root of things. I also have some secondary diagnosis. Is that a real word? It's going to be be one today. (laughs) (laughs) I have some secondary (laughs) diagnosis um, for um, have adenomyosis, which is where essentially, if you will, the same tissue that is inside your uterus grows into your uterine muscle um, and it just continues to grow. It thickens the walls. It's very painful as well. Um, I also have fibroids, cysts. all kinds of other things going on because of, you know, just hormonal issues and being a woman and things like that. Um, so when they go in, I'm going to have actually three different procedures here in June to hopefully give me some relief and possibly extend my ability for fertility. Yeah. You ever seen that meme where it's that white woman and she has like all the math problems behind her head and she looks confused as shit? Is that you right now? That's me right now. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. Of course. <laughs> I'm not good at a lot of things, but I'm good at listening, you know. You are. You are. Um, yeah, I'm y'all, man. You know, maybe I should make this a 
visual podcast because if y'all saw my face right now i'm like (laughs) damn like you know uh no man i remember you know when she was telling me about it i was it's really like i said I'm, i'm still learning about you know the condition and i remember she told me uh you know really um really sad story about a young woman who had actually lost her life to it simply because you know the doctors yeah neglect you know and the doctors weren't really um taking her serious now I I don't know if you're of this this opinion and again I'm on the outside looking in but I wonder you know um was that because of what she looked like because of course you know I know of course women of all races and ethnicities have this but who's Mm -hmm. really not taken serious i remember you me and you were talking about that you know what i mean yeah. like it was black so this did. disease is actually considered a white woman's disease if you ask the medical people um a white woman's disease correct uh mm-hmm. so it was really when you were saying earlier about how hard it is for a black woman to get diagnosed it is specifically because we don't even meet the criteria if you will of what they think somebody who would have this disease is however it's very false uh like i said i just went to a conference with nothing but black women and women of color who have this disease um and honestly i believe that we probably have it more so than white women but you know i mean yeah well cuz if if you're not yeah. being taken seriously then exactly. so how many people really know if someone exactly. really has it, and endometriosis you know. does not always present as the pain that I have and stuff like that. There are women who are completely infertile who don't have a symptom at all and don't even know. Um, again, mm. like I said, the only way to be diagnosed is through this surgery. And you know, if you're not having pain, then there's no reason for you to ask them to cut you open um, sometimes. So, you know, it's really just trying to figure out your body. I think I have learned my body in ways most people don't know theirs um, just because I have to be very mindful about even how I plan my life. Like, you know, what will I be able to do on this day? Because what part of my cycle am I in? Like, these are the things women live with. Um, But yeah, as far as, you know, neglect in the medical community, I have dealt with some horrible horrible things um we probably don't even have enough time today to discuss Uh, i think we have enough time for maybe one or two (laughs) but um but even my most recent uh my most recent visit to the er i was in um, indianapolis for work and very prestigious hospital supposedly um that i went to so i went to this hospital four times in one week on my fourth visit um I feel like they might have been tired of seeing me. I don't know. But the thing is, is I only go to the ER when I can't get my pain under control. Um, And on this visit, it was to the point where I was kind of throwing up all day. I was shaking. It was just really rough. Um, And the doctor, I remember, walked in, looked at me and goes, are you withdrawing from opioids, ma'am? Now, most people don't know this about me, but I refuse to take opioids. Um, That is just something that I have preferred, which is why I take lots of ibuprofen and Toradol because they are not opioids. So it was very offensive. And the fact that you didn't ask me any other questions about what was bringing me in today or how I was feeling, all you saw was my leg shaking, which is actually my coping mechanism. That's how I kind of deal with my pain. Actually, a lot of people do. So I was shaking my leg and then I looked at him politely, honestly, and I said, actually, the urine sitting on the counter was something I offered because I knew that you would need it. Um, So um, 
I was like, you know, if you need to test that, you're more than welcome. Nothing that you guys didn't prescribe me isn't in my system. And, you know, it was just kind of this attitude that I felt from him. Well, it turns out this man let me sit in this hospital room for five hours without any service or care other than them coming in every once in a while checking on me. And he offered me ibuprofen, um, which obviously I wouldn't have come here because I've definitely tried that myself. Um, So it was really sad because I had never blatantly realized that I was being treated that way. And nobody had ever said that to me. Now, do I feel like I've had doctors definitely kind of let me sit in pain for a couple hours because, oh, she's she's fine. She can handle it. Yes. This one was just different. So it was five hours. Um, But that is good. He definitely looks out for his own because I called a cousin of mine who is a nurse practitioner who went to school in Indiana. And I was like, do you know anybody here? Like, I need help. Like, I'm in pain. I can't take it. Like, I've thrown up, blah, blah, blah. Like, and she was like, actually, I have a friend who works at the hospital. Let me call her real quick. The friend comes downstairs, long story short, and turns out she is actually on the board of diversity and inclusion for this hospital system. Um, And yeah, so she took a report. It was a whole thing. And, you know, she took me under her wing, made sure that she took me out of the hospital. She told me that they would not be seeing me again. And they didn't actually. She took my care under her own hands at that point. Um, But it was just really sad because for me, it wasn't even just about the fact that that had just happened to me. Um, which was very unfortunate, but it was just like, how many other people are you doing this to? And, you know, it was just like, wow, I literally needed your help. Um, there were so many other things going on. My blood pressure was high, all this kind of stuff. Like just thank God I didn't stroke out in there or something. Um, and these doctors just don't care. (sighs) Racism is fun, isn't it? Well, it's not even, you know, I hate to say racism because I've had some really bad experiences with some black doctors too. Uh, No, yeah, yeah, I was going to, I was, that was going to be actually my, well, you know, with me working at Arlington Cemetery where I was venting to you the other day about, I see racism all all the time. So that's why the first thing that came to my mind, but that is a good point. So any, I guess, you know, you struggle with that from your own people as far as when they're in the medical field. Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, they they make their money off of whoever's paying them, which is probably not as much as, you know, the pharmaceutical companies and stuff like that. My insurance. All right. Let, uh, racism. All right, let me rephrase that. America is fun, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> America is great. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know what I mean? We're the only country, one of the only countries that have to pay. It was bad, man. Um as far as like the medical industry goes. And of course, like that's not what this is, this entire episode is about, but I was watching this video. Um, It was a bunch of people from England and they were reading about how the medical industry works in America. And they were just so dumbfounded. They was like, what? You have to pay 500 pounds to get an ambulance? (laughs) I have a sister in Germany. And, you know, of course I talk to her often. And when I'm telling her about my experiences and stuff, she's like, just move here. She's in the medical field in Germany. And she's like, just move here. It'll be so much better for you. And I don't know how true that is because I haven't lived in Germany since I was eight, actually. Uh, But. Well, I did read a story um, about a woman, black woman, Mm -hmm. and uh, she worked for the state department, but she was sent to uh she was living in norway or some shit like that i don't know somewhere over there in uh, where the lord of the rings and shit be at you know 
over there. And uh, so she had, uh, she was in her house and then she said she felt a lump on her chest. And so, you know, she went to the doctor, went to go get it checked out. And um, then one day they sent her to, they said, okay, we're going to send you upstairs to get, Mm -hmm. I guess, an x-ray or a a mammogram. I think that's what it's called, right? Yeah. And so, ah, see, I know something. So um, they sent her upstairs to get a mammogram and they did see that she had like a small mass in her breast. Mm -hmm. So they said, okay, we're going to send you to this doctor today. So she was like, today. And (laughs) so she goes, goes, they go, yeah, right. And she was saying, of course, over here, if six, huh? So it could be up to a six week wait. Yeah. Like my mom, you know, thank God she, you know, lived, but she, she had a brain aneurysm. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? And I remember when I found out about it, her surgery wasn't until two months later. And I was like, why? I've been wait. waiting for three months for my surgery that I won't have until June. So it's crazy. Cause I'm like, wait, what yeah. the, What do you mean? Can't you die from this? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so the chick in Norway or wherever she was at mm-hmm. says she got everything done in one day. And the best part about it is she goes, what's my copay? Nurse said, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? No, that's real. Um, I actually have a funny story about that because when I got back home, you know, I travel so much for work. Um, so when I do know that I have a stretch of time that I'll be home, I like to try to make like all my doctor's appointments. So I made my eye appointment, my dental appointment, and I actually had to get a mammogram as well, which I will be having tomorrow. Um, but the amount of arguing I had to do to get them to listen to me about it. Um, I have a very high family history um, of breast cancer. My mother actually had it at a young age. So essentially you have to, as a woman, advocate for yourself, but you have to start getting tested 10 years prior than the person who was closest to you and your family was diagnosed. I did so not my mother know was diagnosed that. At 30. Yeah. So my mother was diagnosed at 38. So at 28, I was supposed to start getting mammograms every year. Uh, So I had one at 28 and I actually ended up having to have a um, biopsy done uh, to see if there, because there was a lump that they found and to see if that lump was cancerous. It ended up not being cancerous. Well, in the last year I've been traveling. So I'm kind of a little bit off the track to get my mammogram. And I was like, yo, I really need to prioritize some things. So when I called to make the appointment, the lady legit tells me, well, you're under 40. So you can't just call here and make an appointment. And I legitimately looked at her and I said, ma'am, I have titties. I can call and make an appointment. <laughs> like, what are you talking I, about? I, I, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> Sorry. That was, uh, that no, was I, love, I love some good random stuff here and there. You know, I thought you were saying, ma'am, like, I'm in pain. Man, yeah, I got titties. No, like, I own boobs and you're telling me I can't have an appointment for something that I wild. know my doctors told me I need to have done. So she's like, well, you need to call your doctor and have your doctor give a um, referral. I'm like, okay, whatever. I'm not arguing with you because you literally are only doing your job. So then I call my doctor's office and I have a new doctor this year because my old doctor was not worth anything a little bit. Um, And my doctor's office goes, well, we need to see your last mammogram and da, 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 da. And I'm like, Y'all, I have a family history. I am home for a week. 
I don't actually know if I'm home for a week, but that's what I'm telling y'all. Um, I need to get this done. And so she's like, well, we'll go ahead and look it over and then I'll give you a call Monday. Mind you, it's Thursday. I still haven't gotten a call from them. Luckily, I took it under my own wing. I called my old doctor's office and I was like, look, I need y'all to put in a a referral for me real quick. And so they did. Um, So I do have an appointment tomorrow, but it's just, it goes to say like, we have to jump through so many hoops for everything. Like I can't tell you how many referrals and things like that I've had to go through even just for endometriosis and stuff, um, which is also part of why it took so long to get my diagnosis. So um, I'm big on advocate for yourself. I don't care if you have to get ugly. Unfortunately, if you have to be that angry black woman, whatever it is, like if that means you live or that means you don't have to suffer, that's just what we have to do. Well, see, and that's that's my issue was the medical field. Well, not medical field aside, but, you know, it's, it's sad that, you know, I mean, me, me and Amber talked about mm-hmm. this when she was on here and, you know, that you know, with black women anyway, like if you're trying to advocate for yourself or you're trying to stand for something or you're trying to take care of yourself and you have to kind of get like a little bit, uh, not loud, but you have to, you got to stand up for yourself. You're, you're labeled as the angry black woman, mm-hmm. but you know, when it's, <laughs> you know, Anybody? the other way around, it's like, oh, okay, well, you yeah. know, that's why I said, oh, racism is fun, isn't it? Because a lot of that, you know, we all know has to deal with a lot of that. It's not, we're not, we're not going to get into that. You're a smart <laughs> woman. You know, we've had those conversations, you know, what's yeah. up. but I'm just saying like, that's just kind of unfortunate that that has to happen. You know, it's funny because <laughs> uh, I'm actually uh, uh, Ty complimenting me on my new hat and I'm, I'm wearing a hat that says Malcolm X on it. Right. Well, Malcolm X was the same one that said the black woman is the most disrespected person to ever walk the planet. And and he said Hmm. that what 60 years ago, you know what I mean? And it's still, you know, um, still relevant because it's it's so many things, you know what I mean? That y'all have to, I mean, you know, y'all got to deal with that. You know, I personally, us as men, you know, we don't, you know, yeah. Um, but kind of I mean, we all fight our own battles, but yeah. I, yeah, I no, don't get me wrong. Like men got it. Black men, oof, man, you've seen the yeah. police. I mean, you've seen the news lately. Like, you know, black yeah. men, we have our own struggles. You know what I'm yeah. saying? We have, we all, and if we're talking about the medical industry, a lot of black women suffer with that. Now, if we're talking about getting pulled over to, by the police, yeah, then we can start talking about, you know, us black men, because, you know, it's, it's just we all have our own things that we have to worry about, you know. Part of you know changing the changing the story, but not changing the story. I remember you mentioned a big part of you having endometriosis. A lot, a part of your journey was you were engaged at one point uh, yes. to someone who kind of didn't really know, you know, what it was. How was that to like? I know you didn't really go into too much detail, but you don't mind me asking how much. What was that like? You know, what I mean, try dealing with not only your condition but also in a romantic sense. So, I mean, it's hard for a lot of women uh, who are struggling with this because obviously this has a big effect on like your sexual life and things like that. Um, I was pretty fortunate that I had at that time a partner who was really, even though it was very new for him, he had no idea. Unfortunately, there were days where he just kind of sat and looked at me like, what can I do to make you comfortable? What can I do to 
you know, help. Um, he was very supportive. So, you know, if I'm like, Hey, take me to the ER, it wasn't a question. It was like, let's go. Um, you know, and he was there at every other surgery that I've had. Um, even honestly, post breakup, um, I had one more surgery and here in Austin at the time, I didn't have any family that was prior to my brother coming here. Um, so he still, you know, took that on, um, and was willing to be a friend to me at the time. Um, but I will say I do genuinely feel like it did have an effect on the relationship, just like I said, it does for most people. Um, because, you know, that that intimacy sometimes is lost um, in a sense of you don't want to, you're tired, you're in pain, you don't even want to be touched, you personally don't want to move. Like, so it, it can get kind of hard on the partner because there's nothing they can really do. Um, right. So, um, you know, just overall trying to find a balance. We were here alone. There wasn't any family to support us for real, um, you know, while we were going through that. Um, so that was, that was just a lot happening. Um, but I will say support is everything. Um, and so, you know, although I think that, you know, all of it had something to do with, uh, you know, what ended up happening, which was nothing. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I was very blessed um, overall in the situation and I don't have anything, you know, negative to say. Um, and I just hope that everybody gets to experience a partner that that was like that um, while they are going through this situation. And, you know, that kind of even now in my new found, you know, singleness and moving through this, um, it, it's one of the things that I can tell a difference on, like not having that same kind of support from a partner who's just there all the time. Um, it, it does make days harder because a lot of times I'm traveling by myself. I'm driving myself to an ER. I'm Ubering or lifting because I don't have somebody to be there. And then I'm sitting in these ERs hours on hours by myself. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely important to have a support, um, to just know that you can, you know, reach out to people and stuff like that. Now, don't get me wrong. My friends and family are amazing. Um, but there's just that part where you don't want to have to rely on people, put that burden on people. A lot of people don't even know what, what you're going through. So unfortunately I can say for me, even, you know, people trying to do research and help and like, okay, what are you going through so that I can kind of, you know, give you advice or whatever. Most of the time I don't want it because it's just like, have you tried this? Have you drank this tea? Have you drank a turmeric? It's just like, yes, yes. It's not going to fix it. You know, <laughs> thank you. But, you know, um, it, I'm learning to, to be very patient with people and to understand that people are coming from, you know, the, the best place when they are trying to, you know, give me those type of solutions and stuff like that. So you single, you say. It's like, no. Nah. <laughs> it's like, no, nah, it's like, no. Nah. <laughs> like, well, you heard all that. No, all said all that. All you had to hear. All that. Like, you know, such a man. Um, <laughs> a 10 page text message and you said, like, okay. no, nah, you know, I'll be playing. <laughs> like, as soon as you said, that's how I'm waiting for her to finish. And that was also you saying. <laughs> that is, is unfortunately sometimes, dude. Yeah, it is, it is telling it, you know. But yeah. like, I'm joking. Where I know. But that has happened. <laughs> uh, no, but no, seriously. Um, that kind of does, I guess, bring me like into the new like part of the conversation. So with you being single, like, and you mm -hmm. uh, you're dating and stuff like that. So with you having endo, how do you explain that to like other people? Like, how how are those? 
like his conversations because again like yeah i ain't can't i can't contribute to none of that like i most <laughs> i tell people is like yeah i got some dogs you know like it's it's yeah. like not so it's like to drop something like that i don't want to say drop something on but to tell mm-hmm. them like hey look this is you know this is what i have this that and the third this is what i deal with i remember you told me about it and i remember matter of fact the first conversation and one of the two we had you had mentioned about like you, you were out with <laughs> you were out with somebody and they said you got a salad or something and they were like that's all you gonna get or something like that and i can't remember the whole conversation but um something to that extent he was kind of offended that that's what i chose to eat when he took me somewhere very nice um because i was in a lot of pain that day uh, one of my symptoms that i get is nausea Obviously, I've mentioned that a couple of times. So um, also, there's a lot of foods that can be triggers. Um, So I'm just very mindful sometimes of the things that I'm eating and stuff like that. And it was almost like, what is wrong with you? And I was just like, nothing. (laughs) Well, actually, if you want to know. So, you know, um, where I'm at now in life uh, is very different than I would say I was at, obviously, a couple of years ago. Uh, but I'm very open about it. I mean, even with you, obviously the conversation was pretty easy to have when you and I met because I was there for a conference regarding this, uh, you know, situation, but it was just like, you know, I just share, like if somebody shows interest, um, you know, Hey, this is what's going on, blah, blah, blah. Um, and also, unfortunately, the reason why most of the time this conference, this conversation comes up is because I'm having to flake. Um, that is kind of part of my life. I really, really hate that. Um, but there are times where I just can't, like, I will literally be fine that morning living my best life. And then two 30 in the afternoon, I'm laid out, like somebody take me to the ER. Um, and that's just kind of the nature of the beast. Um, and you know, sometimes if I don't catch the pain early enough by taking some medicine, um, then it'll, you know, continue to get worse. Sometimes it gets to the point where I can't get it back under control and that's when the ER visit comes into play. So that's sometimes how the conversation has come up. Sometimes I'm just very honest, especially say I'm dating somebody and the conversation gets a little bit more serious about like children. Well, you know, to be very honest, I'm looking to have children within like the next three to five years, um, whether that be with somebody or because I got to go find one out of the book or something. I don't know. That might be reality. <laughs> <laughs> I got to go shopping. <laughs> you know, but the conversation comes up because I also don't know at this time until I have surgery. Last time I had surgery, they told me my fertility looked fine. However, I do from the scans that they've read, they told me things have definitely Uh, you know, progressed very much. So now I'm finding out, you know, do I have the ability to still have children and stuff like that? So those are conversations where I just have to kind of be very open and honest with people. And, you know, you don't have to make that choice to be okay with that, but I have to give you that option essentially. So um, yeah, I'm just very open about it obviously and also now i share it on social media and stuff which i didn't do before yeah yeah no well damn it must be a mind reader because i was gonna be my next <laughs> uh the comfortability mm-hmm. you know um you know for example like me you've talked about like you know health fitness weight loss and i've always mentioned that like it took a long like when i first posted my um not that this has anything to do with what you've had to deal with over the last several years but um when I posted my first before and after picture, I was, I was terrified. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't know mm-hmm. what, but as time has gone on, you know, I feel more comfortable about it. So 
I'm asking, is it like the same sort yeah. of like as far as like I think for me, it, it would be somewhat the same, but it's more so a fact like I had a long time of like I would I would say not that I was in denial, but like I was like, you know, I'm gonna be fine, God's gonna heal me. And not that I don't still believe that. I definitely do feel like I will be healed. Um, but I do feel like at this point I've accepted that this is the reality. Um, and that, you know, also that comes with changes that I personally need to make, kind of like what we discussed with your journey. You know what I mean? Like yeah, this might be kind of what's happening in my life, but the things that I have control over, I need to start taking control over. And that also required me to start learning and to start being open about it because I wasn't going to be able to learn until I was willing to tell people what was going on. Um, one of my first resources is actually, um, a, I, I found a page um, online that was called uh, Indo Black. And that's actually what brought me there to the DMV area for that conference. Um, they're amazing. Uh, Lauren Cornegay is the founder of this and she, uh, you know, suffers from the same condition and she just really puts out a lot of information. She definitely um, is just welcoming. Like if you want to message her and ask her questions, it takes a couple of days sometimes, but she has a group of amazing women who will like answer questions, who just post constantly um, great information. And they also are really providing this sisterhood uh, of, you know, a safe place where you can kind of, as a black woman, even just see like, you're not going through this by yourself. Um, I've met some women who I really consider like friends now, um, you know, even we, we still converse on social media and stuff like that because um, we, we can, you know, identify with one another. So um, that's kind of where it's at now. Yeah, uh, no, you kind of struck gold when you said uh, there are other people going through it. You know what I mean? And it's like oh, my cat, my go to my catchphrase, whatever you want to call it. Maybe somebody will quote me one day um, <laughs> is where, you know, the seven billion people out here. Somebody's going through the same thing you are. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, when this airs, when it's posts, you know, I'm hoping that, like you said, a lot of people may a lot of women. Sorry. Uh, may not know that they have it. And after hearing you talk, they're like, damn, wait, something, has, something wasn't yeah. feeling right. Maybe I should, you know, so yeah. Endometriosis is not only for one, it's actually not only found in women. Um, there are some cases that it has been found in men, actual men. I really? Hate say, I hate to say actual, but you know, the world we live in, yes, actual men who are born as men um, have <laughs> had cases um, because endometriosis is not actually uterine um, fibers, I guess you would say. Um, it's, it's stuff that is like uterine tissue. It's not quite uterine tissue. And it's actually not even just a disease that is found in the reproductive system. It's a full body disease. It's actually been found in areas of the brain, um, lungs. So it can be found almost anywhere in your body. So that's a lot of things that most people don't actually even know. I did not know that. I Well, I knew for a fact this wasn't a white woman's disease, but I did think that <laughs> women could get it. So have you like ever, I don't know, well, damn, now that we're here, like, have you ever talked to a guy that's had it? Avid. I actually just found this out not too long ago. Um, just again, I am an avid reader and, you know, I was reading about that. Um, so it's, it's 
not as studied. It's not studied, period, but it's definitely not as studied in men. Um, so um, I think that there's a lot more information that'll possibly be coming out right now. Endometriosis is kind of more so coming to the light and people are actually taking time to kind of figure out what it is, what's causing it, different things like that. Um, so yeah, that's why I think it's really important. And honestly, I can say I need to be more diligent on posting and, you know, putting my information out there, my story and stuff like that, um, which is why I was really grateful when you asked. Um, but Yes, of course. <laughs> like, man, but when you're going to get the had, influence of things started, you know. Oh, Lord. But I've had so many <laughs> women, even just so since I posted my few videos and stuff like that, who have actually you know come to me and be like I didn't know you had it like I've got it or I think I might have it and just asking questions and it's honestly been kind of an honor but it's also something that's kind of putting a kick in me and like okay I need to do more and you know I hope that I can continue yeah so what's your uh your your page um so people can hear like the for your for the the one that you were just talking about so my uh, page for endometriosis is endo warrior underscore uh i think that's what it's called underscore rise um and so rise actually has a meaning um so in college i did pageants and i started the rise organization um and so i kind of just put them together um so for me rise is to raise awareness inform speak out and educate um so that is what i hope to be doing so you say you were a beauty queen. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yes, That's cool, I man. I didn't know that. Uh, <laughs> so like with the, nah, this ain't got shit to do with what we was talking yes. about. But uh, you were you were in beauty pageants? I was, yeah. And, uh, and more so in like middle school, high school, college type of thing. So not very many, just a couple, but it was fun. Oh, I thought I saw you Miss America last night. That wasn't oh, you. That's so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's like no oh <laughs> so nah man yeah no because i remember you were telling me more about how you want to be more of a uh i guess the term is influencer you know advocate advocate yeah yeah <laughs> um i'm trying to get my advocate influencer thing started um right you yeah, got we, this huh so you got this whole thing going. Yeah, no, nah, well, mine's going to be against zoos and aquariums, but. Um, I'm not doing this with you today. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's going to be part two to the uh, to the endo right. rise conversation. Yeah, that's that's time we talked about endometriosis. This time we're talking about not lo- locking up polar bears. No, so I guess uh, to the women, you know, who I guess maybe are afraid of, I don't know, not afraid, but maybe they know something is wrong. Listen to your story. What would the advice be? So honestly, I would say not even to go to really an um, OBGYN. I would really find an endometriosis specialist. Um, obviously, you can start with your OBGYN, but definitely see a doctor. Advocate for yourself. Let them know. Don't let them just make you feel like you're crazy. Um, because I spent lots of years feeling like I'm just being dramatic. I've had... Even family members have asked me if I was being a hypochondriac, and that was after diagnosis. Uh, no, I remember you told but, me that. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, just you're not crazy. It's not in your head. Um, and, you know, really, 
basically just advocate for yourself. And if you need resources, like I said, they're Indo, uh, Indo Black has amazing resources. I would love to share some resources if I can, especially if you are in the Austin, Texas area. Um, I've got a great doctor now who I'm really, you know, happy to have found. Um, it took me a couple of months to get in with him because he really is good at what he does. But um, I really am just, you know, hopeful that, you know, they continue to get more information and that, you know, this is not something that's just some wild guess disease. Um, at this point, what I realize a lot of my arguments with doctors is, is because I probably have more information than even they do. And then they feel some kind of a way about it. And that's real. And, you know, I've actually talked to some of my endo sisters who's feel the same way. They're like, yeah, I just make them feel stupid. I actually had a black woman doctor tell me that I was in my own way because I was refusing hormone therapy and things like that, that absolutely has no help for what I'm looking for. Because for me, like I said, my main goal is to preserve fertility right now. Um, so yeah, they try to put us on medicines that do things like start early menopause or, um, recommend hysterectomies which is completely the opposite of what we want so yeah why well, gotta be your own people man it's just everybody like i won't even you know no i get that i get that it's like you know you can catch heat from everybody but i guess it just really bothers me from when it's people that look like you you know yeah. what I mean? I mean, I traveled across the country to Philadelphia because this lady was supposed to be renowned. Um, and as she sat in her chair, cute and pregnant, she told me that the only thing she could do for me was put me on these hormone pills. And, you know, if I didn't want a hysterectomy, that I that was my only option. And I politely told her that was not something I was willing to do. And I left. Um, but it's just really sad. It really is because I flew all the way across the country to go see her. You know, one time uh, I briefly worked in the school system like many, 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 many years ago. And I was wearing a um, uh, sweater from my alma mater, University of Maryland, mm -hmm. Eastern Shore. Right. And in the logo, it said historically black uh, college, university, whatever. Mm -hmm. So this woman, black woman, unfortunately, um, she goes, <laughs> what's UMES? Right. And I said, uh, I said, and I looked at my sweater and I'm like, I know for goddamn sure it says. <laughs> so I was, I said, uh, I was where I went to school. Mm -hmm. She goes, oh, I, w I wouldn't, it was, she said, what is that an H is no, she said, what is that a black school? And oh. I said, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a black school. She goes, well, I, I wouldn't know that I went to Harvard okay that's what bothers me like you know what i'm saying like that's it's, it's like damn bro like why why you gotta be like that you know what i'm saying like what's the old saying all skin folk ain't kin folk you know <laughs> uh you know it, it's, back to the old man stuff oh yes yes oh uh, what's my other favorite old? ain't no fun if the rabbit got the gun <laughs> um no, nah, man, like it's it's just sad, you know what I mean? And it's like, you know, some things you got to expect from other cultures. But when it's from from your own people, you know, what I mean, that really yeah. it's really bothersome. Now, with the old with the whole situation, I just explained with the hoodie and whatever, like, but it it's very sad when it comes to medical issues, because it's like, damn. You know, this is Cause less than two percent of the doctors in OB are people of color anyway, uh, I think is the number. Don't quote me. Oh, really? It, it's a very, very, very small amount. Um, and so um, 
Yeah, less- it's, it's sad because less than 2%, I think, of the doctors are of color and definitely women of color are even less um, in the medical field. So, you know, and in this, so that that's kind of the other hard part. So in this, um, most of the people doing the research are men. And so they're not having to actually even deal with the thing that they're studying. Of course um, not. You see so- these, like, you see, like, you see this stuff, you see you know, the abortion rights and stuff like that. Oh, I love those. And I'm pro-choice all the way. So like, you know, and it's, you see a a group of old white men (laughs) in in an office and they're signing paper. Yo, and the thing is like, look, man, there ain't a female bone in my body, okay? But I see that shit and I'm like, man, what the, (laughs) you know. Right. And it it's it's like you said the, the the men who the people who discover or sorry who 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 research these problems that mostly only women have, you right? Know? Um, Which I'm, I mean, I guess I'm grateful because somebody has to do it. Um, but I mean, yeah, yeah, it, it just know. makes it really hard because at the end of the day, um, you'll never understand what I have to go through in a day to, especially in this in this direct area. Um, I've had doctors literally tell me that the pain I was going through probably was a lot like what I'll go through in labor and I'm just like and this is a regular day well that's comforting thanks right <laughs> uh no man it's well look I'm glad that you were um willing to come on here and you know talk about you know most of the episodes you know a lot of them are goofyish I mean they're all serious because it, it, to it to an extent because you know, it comes down to the person's story, but you know, some of most of them, you know, a lot of them are funny, but this is, you know, this is something that's not really a laughing matter, man, especially when you told me about, you know, that poor uh, girl losing her life, you know, and right. you said she just got married and, you know, that's she was of, young. Yeah. yeah uh, I think she know. was around my age and, you know, it, it was kind of scary in that moment. I was actually at the height of um, where the doctors were telling me that really my only option was a hysterectomy before I had got with Dr. Garza. And so it was just kind of like, I had a couple of tears come down because I was just like, is this about to be my life? Like, nobody's listening to me. What am I supposed to be doing? And I had actually just posted a video. Um, this is kind of the, the video that started it all, if you will, where I had an appointment with my previous doctor who I went in his office after a year because I had been traveling and I finally got an appointment with him and he was just kind of like really cold, really callous and told me there was nothing more he could do for me. He had already tried four times. Like I needed to figure something out what I wanted to do. I had to make some hard decisions. And even in that moment, I remember having a conversation with him because he asked, well, what are you waiting on to have kids? And obviously when um, I had my last surgery, like I said, my ex was there with me. And so he knew at the time that we were engaged And so he was like, what are you and your partner waiting on? And I was like, well, actually, I no longer have a partner. And he goes, oh, well, that's unfortunate for you, isn't it? Like, damn. I was just like, and of course, in that moment, I just kind of held it together. And I got in my car and I just started crying. And I was like, you know what? Like, this is the moment somebody needs to see. This is something that I need to share just in a sense of like, it's real and what's really happening in my life. And so I shared it on TikTok. Uh, this is probably one of my first like real videos there. And um, I had a lot of mostly friends, family, people who I really didn't talk to anymore, but that still followed me 
that just kind of reached out and were just like, oh my God, I didn't even know and stuff like that. And that that's kind of what it's been building on. Well, yeah. all I can say to that is you let me know what his name is and I got the ski mask <laughs> on deck. No, 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 no. He and I are, we are, we have split our ways. We're good. Oh, to we go. ain't going that route. Oh, we're done. Oh, all right. Well, I broke up with my doctor. Oh. Uh, well, if you need me, it's like, no, nah. <laughs> it's like, no, nah. no, um, that sucks, man. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of sounds like, you know, you're, you're dreaming and you're screaming, but you can't wake up. You know what I mean? And yeah. nobody's hearing you in the dream. And like, that's kind of, that's kind of what it sounds like. You More know? like but, the nightmare, but yeah. <laughs> but like you said, though, you know, I mean, straight up. No. Yeah. But you kind of said something that kind of like, you know, speaks volumes. You would when I was talking about, you know, it's kind of suck. It kind of sucks that men are the ones doing most of the research. And you say somebody's got to do it. All right. Fine. That's mm-hmm. cool. But what you're doing right now, somebody has to do it. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of I'm sure women who are afraid to speak on certain things or just like there are certain men who are afraid to speak on certain things. But, you know, in this particular case, talking about endometriosis, you know, there's a lot of them that probably are afraid and they don't know. So you being that person stepping up to the plate, you know, all right, you got those doctors that did whatever, but Mm. as they say, uh, you're doing your part. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Man. And, you know, I'm, I'm honored. I'm definitely not here to speak for everybody, but I just hope to speak to somebody, um, you know, that, like I said, like I keep saying at the end of the day, you just got to advocate for yourself. And if you need somebody to stand with you and let you know that you're not crazy, I'm definitely here. Um, and that's women of all color. I don't want to just, you know, I'm not, I am actually mixed. Um, I'm Latina. I am black. Um, no, and so, uh, 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 te amos. It's like, no, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I can't well, speak you know, Spanish for shit. So I don't know. <laughs> so it really is, you know, I, I want to be here for women at the end of the day. Um, and you know, women of color and things like that, but whatever, well, whatever. <laughs> yeah, man. And, and for the, for the women listening, all right. Now I have this thing I said at the tie this morning, uh, whether you're dealing with what Ty talked about or whatever, I know I'm a man and I can't do or say much, but just imagine I'm standing behind you with a foam finger <laughs> that has your name on it <laughs> and I'm cheering you on, you know I mean? That's the best I can do, you know? Um, yeah. Cause I, I, you know, everything you just told me, I, I had no idea about, you know, um, with in addition to stuff that you already told me but yeah. well time my dear i'm i don't know man this this was very very informative you know what i mean and it's definitely different than the other you know episodes we've done as far as like a lot of them you know of course everybody's story is serious and everybody has one but like i said i don't really think this one is a laughing matter there's really nothing that funny about it i know i didn't even get to be my great funny self you know oh well that is what the part two was for now (laughs) uh yes because ty is definitely of hilarity you know um especially when she does her old woman thing and okay yeah yeah you know reaching at the bottom of the purse for her caramels and peppermints um You have to thank the Lord in everything. And I just want you to let me live. I, I do. Look, I, I, I never disagree with you on that. But it's just funny the way you portray your thanks to God. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> I, you 
know, I, I do it when I get in the car because I turn on a seat warmer before I get in, whether it's summer or not. Like, it's, it's just me. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, man. No, I'm definitely glad you came on. Like I said, this is not a laughing matter. Now, when Avery was on one time and he was talking about how a woman dropped condoms in his front yard to piss him off, that was funny. <laughs> this is not, <laughs> you know. Um, but hopefully we can do another one. You know what I mean? Yeah. We could talk about the more funny side of I just wanted you to, you know, hopefully and you did it, I think, to just just spread the awareness of what yeah. endometriosis is, you know, because my biggest fear is burying who I plan on marrying as a black woman. And my biggest fear is yeah no, all jokes aside my absolute biggest fear is burying my wife at a very young age because of some type of medical issue that was not taken seriously you know what i mean scares the shit out of me you know so and i and i expressed that to ty when she was telling me about this and when she told me about that poor girl who passed away and she had just got married i just got chills man so i was like damn with ty coming on here um and uh, speaking on her story and journey with her endometriosis, I'm hoping that if just one person that's maybe listening and go, maybe I need to get checked out, then we have accomplished our mission. I agree. I agree. Well, folks, this has been another great episode of the Morally and Intellectually Ingenuous, sometimes disingenuous podcast where we talk about morally and intellectually ingenuous sometimes disingenuous things now folks i have had my dear friend ty on she spoke about her amazing journey not struggle journey with endometriosis now i have something in mind for the next episode i'm just not trying to put that out there yet because i'm still deciding on what route to go but ty will probably be one of the first that i run it by and if i get clearance from her then it must be good you know i'll let you know of course <laughs> and as per usual folks peace and love always